Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. And they heard, that's Adam and Eve, that's after they've disobeyed, after they've ate the forbidden fruit, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? That question is going to be important for what we are dealing with today. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So Adam and Eve did not just hide away from God, but they also hide away from each other. We've seen and what we're beginning to see that sin definitely drove a wedge between Adam and Eve and God. They used to be happy that God was there. It comes in the cool of the day, they have fellowship with God. But this time around, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the wilderness in the cool of the day and they ran. They hid themselves. So we know that there was a wedge between the couple and God. But also, we need to understand that there was also a wedge between each of them. As we saw previously, they lost their perfect transparency. They lost the relationship harmony that they enjoyed. That was typified for us in the scripture when the Bible says, and the man and his wife were naked, but they were not ashamed. That was the perfect transparency. That was the perfect harmony that they enjoyed between themselves. But suddenly we saw that they ate the fruit. Their eyes were open, obviously open in the wrong way. We've already dealt with that. Suddenly they know they were naked. They've always been naked. <laughs> but now the Bible says that they were ashamed. Now they are ashamed in each other's naked presence. They were ashamed. They have a feeling of embarrassment that made them hide away, not only from God, but made them hide away from each other. So they have to put on clothes now. Human sexuality is about dependence. That is what we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, isn't it? Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. And I dare say, it is not good that the woman should be alone. God created Adam and Eve as sexual being, and their sexuality is all about dependence. Their sexuality is all about co-dependence. It's all about unity. It's all about collaboration. That is what sexuality is all about. They have stepped out of where they were. They have stepped into another realm entirely because sin is about autonomy. Sin is about self-sufficiency. So we, we see straight away that in a world where humans are desperate to convince themselves that they are gods, that there's no other God, that there's no one true God, inevitably human sexuality which remind them of this, the, their stark humanness and insufficiency, inevitably their sexuality will become a burden. Inevitably sexuality have suffered major grievous injury when man sinned because their sexuality is all about their dependence upon each other and their collaboration, their mutual dependence upon each other, the need for them to work in unity, <laughs> But sin is all about autonomy. It's all about I'm self-sufficient, isn't it? So what we see, first of all, 
is the confusion in the world around us, around gender and sexuality. This is the type of, you know, major grievous injury that sexually, sexuality has suffered because of the fall, because of the transgression, because of the rebellion. And we have looked into this issue of gender and sexuality, so I'm not going to go into that. So the first thing we saw is this confusion in the world, this world that wants to feel that they are gods, which this world that have elevated man to the realm of God, that have denied that we are accountable unto God and that we we are not God, that we are human. So that's the first thing we see is this confusion in the world. Also, secondly, we see, and most importantly, what we are dealing with today is the war between the sexualities. In the beginning, sexuality was all about unity, all about collaboration, all about depending upon one another. But now, sexuality sexuality is about rivalry. Sexuality is about domination. This is because both the man and the woman cannot equally be God at the same time. I'll say that again. There's war between the sexualities now because both the man and the woman cannot both be God equally at the same time. So in, 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 in the fallen world, sexuality rather than being a blessing that it was at the beginning has become a burden to sinful man. So what I'm saying here is that a lot of the confusion we see around us today, around sexuality, and you know, we, we, we took some time in previous, previous teaching talking about sexuality is much, much than just being, than just sex. Sexuality is actually the, the, the fullness of what makes somebody a man and what makes somebody a woman. Okay. Yes, our sex is part of that, but it is much more than that. It's the whole, you know, the whole, the, 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 the sum total of what makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman, okay? Unfortunately, in the fall, that has now become a big problem. It has become an issue where one sexuality wants to dominate the other because both of them cannot be equally God at the same time. So God created sexuality so that it would be a blessing, but that blessing comes by both sex- sexuality you know, working in unity, working in collaboration, codependence, and that was working great for them until sin came. Sin entered, caused a strain between the man and his wife, and obviously also messed up their understanding and their work manifestation of their sexuality in the world. So it's become confused, and also that has now developed a war, and that is why over the over his over the time of history, one sexuality will want to um, dominate, as it were, the other sexuality. And that is the problem that we've seen around us today. But let's move on. Because moving forward, as the story unfolds, it underlines also for us, apart from what we have said about human sexuality, it also underlines for us something we have touched really in previous teaching about the nature of God. Okay, The conversation, when you look at the conversation that God had, between himself and the couple, that is between himself and Adam and Eve, it is reminiscence of what takes place in a courtroom or in a courtroom-like situation. Okay, and, and I'm going to explore that. When God was asking, when God was having this conversation, when you, when you follow it through, you almost feel like you're in a courtroom or in a situation where somebody in authority is interrogating somebody that has done something wrong. But before we explore 
this, let's look at the very question, which is why I took the Bible reading we started with today. Let's look at the very first question that God ever asked in the Bible. What was it? Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, And the Lord God called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? That's the first question recorded for us in the Bible. Where art thou? Now when God walked into the garden, and the couple, Adam and Eve, fled and hide themselves behind the trees. When God asked them, where are thou? God is not asking them because he was ignorant of where they are. No, that's not the reason why God was asking, where are you? That question was setting, a scene, was setting the scene for us for what is to follow. And I don't think we are going to be able to go into that, this teaching. But I want you to understand that when God said, where are you guys? It's not because God didn't know where they are. God knew exactly where they are. God knew exactly what they have done. What God knew exactly in what condition Adam and Eve have stepped into, God knew. When God said, where are you? It's because God is setting the scene of what is going to happen next. It's just like you walk into a place, you know what somebody has done. You say, what have you done? It's not because you don't know what they have done. It's because you are using that question to key into what was going to happen next. In that question, that question reminds us of what a parent will ask a naughty child who has run off and hide after he or she have done something bad and the parent has found out about it, isn't it? That's the same question that the parent will ask that child. Where are you? Or what have you done? Where are you? Where are you? It's not, they know the guy is hiding, okay? And this is a question that we run from Genesis, that, that's a question that runs from Genesis and runs throughout the whole Bible. That's a question that is very, very important to the unfolding of this story. Where art thou? It's a question that is talking about in what place and in what condition are you? Where art thou? In what place and in what condition are you? Here we see God's gracious pursuit after Adam and Eve. God knew what they've done. God knew where they were hiding. God knew that their condition has changed. But when God said, where are you? This is God graciously pursuing after Adam and Eve. And the reason he's doing that is not to condemn them. Well, they are going to be, they are going to face God. They are going to receive just reward for what they have done. But God is pursuing them for their recovery. Because one of the things that we see here straight away we, are, we have read is that the Lord does not abandon, that he was seeking out the guilty couple. And this is very, very important. God could have destroyed them, but God was seeking them out. And this is what I want you to see in when, when God comes up after them and God seek out for them, that the Lord did not abandon them at this point. The Lord will have been justified to abandon them, but he did not. He sought them out. Okay, I wanna, that is in sharp contrast to what people think about God. It's definitely in sharp contrast compared to the other religion of the world. The re, all, other religion of the world is all about human trying to seek God, human trying their best to be able to earn favor and to be able to earn acceptance with God. But that is not the story that we read in the Bible because 
Such an effort is futile and unachievable because with the best of our effort and resolve, we cannot find our way back to God. We cannot end favor with God. When we read Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 and we read Romans chapter 3 verse 10, definitely tell us the fertility of us trying to find our way back to God or trying to end our acceptance with God. So let's read those two portions of the scripture. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken, taken us away. The Bible says that all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is no righteous, no, not one. We cannot by ourselves of ourselves find approval with God because we've tried enough, because we made the effort. Yes, the other religion is saying, I will do good, and if my good outweigh my sin, you know, the, the Bible tells us that is absolutely useless. Now, obviously, we will have good works. The Bible says that when God created us, we are God's creation, okay? And God created us in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yeah, we will have good works because we are saved, because we have the power, and because we have the anointing and the grace and the mercy of God upon our life that has made us new. Yes, but our good works does not end us, will never end us, you know, uh, acceptance with God, okay? And, and, and the Christianity is all about the fact that God is the one that is going out of his way to seek for man. After the fall, it is God who is doing the seeking. It was Adam and Eve that was doing the hiding, that was doing the running away. And the story is the same today. Even in religion where men are, you know, seeming to look out for God, at the end of the day, such an effort is being done in our own self-righteousness and it doesn't really work. Christianity is about God who was and the God who is still seeking to save the lost. And this is the story of the whole Bible. This is the story of the whole Bible. And that is the only way back to God. We can only go to God the only way. There is only one way back to God, and that is his way. And I will say that again. There is only one way back to God, and that is God's way. There is no other way. Any other way is no way. Any other way, like we're trying to do our best, putting in an effort, trying our best to make ourselves acceptable to God, any other way is no way. That is what John chapter 14 tells us. It said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comment unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, there's no other way. You cannot get back to what we have lost. We cannot get back to God. We cannot come to God any other way. It's his way or no way. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth and the life. And this will unfold as we go through the story. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, people usually say, you know, always leads to heaven. No, not always lead to heaven. We need to understand this, okay? 
there is only one way back to God, and it is his way. Okay, any other way is no way. And we need to understand that, that yes, we can try our own way, but we cannot earn acceptance. We cannot struggle our way. We cannot earn our way back to God. In the Garden of Eden, it was God seeking out the lost couple. And God is still doing that today. God is still asking today, where art thou? And God is doing that because God wants to save, because God wants to redeem, because God wants to deliver. In fact, it's because he has provided a way out. God is asking you, God is asking me today, where are you? In what place are you? In what condition are you? Now, a moment ago, I said that when God asked Adam and Eve that question, it was setting the scene for what was to follow. The question is, what sin is that? Okay. The sin, let me say the sin here for us. The sin here is the sin of a judge that is in his courtroom or her courtroom, and there's an offender standing in front of him or her. And he's examining the offender, he's inquiring into the offense before he or she proceeds to issue sentences. That is actually what was going on here. God said, where are you? Both of you, where are you? He's setting the scene of what was going to happen after that. God is being revealed to us as a judge. Now, we've read a couple of scripture in previous teaching when we're talking about the reward, the wages of sin. The Bible definitely tells us clearly that God is a judge. He's a just judge. So when God said, where are you? God is actually giving them the opportunity for them. It's an interrogation that is starting here. So the sin is that of a judge that examined the offenders and is also inquiring about the offense before he or she proceed to issue sentences. Or in a way that most of us will understand is like a parent that is interrogating a naughty child. The boy has done something wrong. The boy fled. They finally caught the boy. Okay. And they're interrogating him or her before issuing punishment or before issuing sentence. So what we see as we read Genesis chapter three, when we start from about verse nine is God interrogating Adam and Eve. He interrogated them in turn. They are the offender. They have broken the rule. They have transgressed God's command. They have broken God's covenant. And they are now standing before the righteous judge, the righteous judge of the whole universe. And God is interrogating them. He examines them. He inquires of their offense. And God will consequently proceed to issue sentence. Now, let's read a sentence from my friend, you know, my resources in the beginning by Henry Blotcher. Let's read a sentence about this from an extract from his book, and I quote, the man and the woman are given leave to speak. The minute they seek to evade their responsibilities, God treats them as responsible. The man and the woman are given leave to speak. The minute they seek to evade their responsibilities, God treats them as responsible. So remember, just like Adam and Eve stood in the court of the Lord and were judged, and just like a naughty child stand trembling before his or her parent and waiting his or her judgment, the same way the Bible says that all of us will stand before God to be judged in one way or the other. So what we see 
in the Garden of Eden, after they broke in the rule, and God was calling on, he was summoning them to the bench, or I should say to wherever the offender stands. Where are you? What have you done? What condition are you? And he interrogated Adam. He interrogated Eve. He was asking them questions as the judge, and they were answering him as the offender. And as we read here from my resource, the man and the woman were given the opportunity to respond, to present their case <laughs> before the judge. But the minute they seek to evade their responsibility, God treats them as responsible. Now let's read a couple of scripture to see how this applies to us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as it is appointed unto men, wants to die, but after that, judgment. Romans chapter 14, verse 10, Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now that is the reality. Remember, God sought them out because God wants to bring them to a place of recovery. That is why God sought them out. Unfortunately, people may not receive God's help, but the fact is that they are standing before the righteous judge of the whole universe, and God will have to be righteous. Many people will say, if God is love, God will not send people to hell. No. People are going to hell because they break the rule, number one, and because they will not receive God's help, God's recovery, God's redemption, God's salvation. That is why people are going to hell. But God called Adam and Eve. God is interrogating them. He's giving them the chance for them to present their case. Why have they done this? And then God is going to respond. So next time we will look at the sentences God passed upon these offenders. These offenders that are standing in God's presence. He allowed them to present their case before him. And God, as the righteous judge, must pass the sentence. So we're going to look at that next time by the grace of God. But I want to speak to us. I want to speak to you. If you are not born again, I want you to know that there is a judgment. You and I is going to stand before God. Okay. And there's nothing you and I can do in this world that will actually make us be acceptable. All our righteousness are like fiddle rug. But God has provided a way out for us. He has come to help us. Just like he sought out Adam and Eve in the garden. He has sought out every single one of us so that he can help us. And once he helps us, we become a member of his household and he keeps helping us. And when it's all over, we spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. So God is calling up unto you today. You can accept him into your life. Bow down your head. Accept that you're a sinner. Receive Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Ask him to be your Lord and he will. He will give you a new heart. Become a member of the family of God. And then, when this is all over, you spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it today. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.